podcast that nobody asked for i'm your host dave ryan and i'm joined on the line as i am every episode by lee malone lee how does this evening find you not bad not bad uh, i'm surprised you made it to episode two <laughs> yeah the difficult <laughs> second album um how are you feeling after now we're a few like in terms of how many episodes we've actually watched off air we're a few episodes deep how how high is the regret level it's not as high as i thought it would be actually I'm uh, not not to spoil things, but I actually enjoyed the couple of shows I've watched. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the things we were told by a few people beforehand, the likes of uh, I was trying to think on the first episode who it was that I was chatting to about Thunder before, and it was Arn, a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. um, Arnold Furious on Twitter. He was saying that like it, the start of Thunder isn't nearly as bad as you remember it being. It's kind of it's kind of that thing that the last impression you have of Thunder is what you think the whole show was like. So this this you don't really remember the start of the run, which isn't that bad. But as WCW itself starts to completely fall from away from its apex, I think we'll rapidly catch up with our expectations of what Thunder was going to be. Oh yeah, there, there's still moments where you're looking at it going, this is not important at all, and they don't know why it's happening, but. Mm-hmm. You know, for for the most part, there's actual storyline progress going on in the shows, uh, as yeah. we as we'll get to anyway. But I know mm. before we get into the episode, we want to do a couple of, um, not thanks, but like mention some of the mentions we've had on Twitter. And yeah, a l- little bit of listener feedback. We want to thank everybody first and foremost for listening to the debut episode of, of Days of Thunder, and if you haven't yet good chance for you now to go back we're now uh, after a very arduous week or so of trying up on almost every podcast platform i just haven't had the time to get us on stitcher yet but we are available on uh, itunes soundcloud uh, podcast addict pocket casts and spotify um and any any podcast provider that uses uh, the itunes search engine we should be available on now um but yeah <clears throat> irrespective of all the plugs we do have some uh, feedback that we received on our Twitter, which is at WCW Thunderpod. You should fo- give us all a follow on there. Uh, and we usually like throw up a thought or two as we're watching the shows and we'll kind of, we're, we're, we've been pretty good so far replying to people chatting to us. Um, <clears throat> but just a couple of highlights from the feedback that we had after episode one uh, and our good friend Sarah Classic at the two Sarahs on Twitter uh, was saying that she would love to come on uh, Days of Thunder, be our first guest and talk about the WCW website she made when she was 12 years old and that is too tantalising a promise not to fulfil at some point down the road. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah, that Sarah will definitely be on the show at some point to talk about this. Yeah, I think this is the pod crossover that I, I definitely want to happen um, <laughs> because I, I was somebody, now I never made fan sites myself growing up, but I was a huge fan of fan sites uh, for the graps and things like that as soon as I discovered the internet because it's like what other people talk about this and not just me and my friends mm-hmm. that's cool so we'll, we'll hear about the the epic uh, websites that Sarah was designing on a future episode hopefully uh, <clears throat> we had a tweet in from uh, Stephen Sutton who was saying kind of 
in a baffled manner that in in the classic tradition of dark matches being better than a lot of matches or at least a better kind of billing than a, a lot of matches that were actually made broadcast the uh, the dark match on thunder number one was sting versus scott hall in which sting was the winner and i actually that would have been a much better way to end episode one i think yeah much much better than the uh what wasn't it that kind of everyone was in the ring talking about the title being stripped basically yeah yeah um, being held in abeyance yeah. as we would now say um yeah it certainly will be and i think that's one of the running themes i've already noticed in thunder is that they really dismount to end the episode very poorly i think mm-hmm. um and then the other thing of course that we got feedback on was several listeners really enjoying the, the lex luger story of the murdery man on the train in germany um, which is a story that I'll, I'll not repeat here, but that'll be for people who are just joining us on this episode. That is worth digging out somewhere near the halfway point of the first episode. Yeah, uh, not not only was it on Twitter and stuff that people are mentioning, even in person, a couple of people came up to me at a <laughs> before contenders last Sunday and mentioned it to me as well that they listened to the story and were finding it pretty hilarious. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's certainly well, you know they they only see the comedy because they weren't there so they didn't see like the abject terror we were Mm -hmm. experiencing um but i actually it was when we had heard back from a few people on twitter about the the lex luger story that i remembered i i i I actually met lex luger oh really very very briefly um so i went to wrestlemania 32 in dallas and uh, myself friend of the show keith brony uh amo and uh, Mark, also friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, we all went and we stayed together in the Hyatt Regency, which is, was the WrestleCon hotel. So, like, there was a load of wrestlers staying there. And uh, I was down in the lobby. Uh, I can't remember for what reason. And Lex, who at the time was going through health troubles, that I believe he's on the better side of now, because I've seen him do a couple of talking head pieces and things since. So he seems to be doing better. But at the time, I think he needed surgery and was in a wheelchair. Um, okay. in the Hyatt Regency so like at first it was kind of a sad story because I was just like oh the poor guy like he's a shell of his former self because obviously now that he's not like the total package he's not like he's kind of considerably smaller than he used to be mm. so he looked a bit frail but from what I understand he's doing a lot better now but anyway <clears throat> he was in a wheelchair just going past me and I kind of said like hey Lex you know just kind of waving in his direction because I'm not the kind of guy who stops wrestlers and chats to them for ages I've just never been that guy Um, and then the situation got even weirder because I saw who he was wheeling past me to go meet Teddy Hart oh wow and <laughs> and his cat Mr. Money yeah and like I'm not sure I'd, I I never looked it up to be honest but I I wasn't at a single show that Teddy Hart wrestled that whole week I think he might have been just there he just showed up yeah, and it would be a very Teddy Hart thing to just kind of show up, walk around WrestleCon, maybe hijack a table and, and try and hawk some merch or something. Well, once um, it was only merch he was selling because, well, we've all heard the stories. Yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. Um, I also remember another WCW-related memory from that WrestleCon. Uh, being in the room at WrestleCon, I was kind of just going around getting a couple of T-shirts. I think I was standing at the suplex table when there was a load of people over the far side of the conference room were sitting waiting for a Q&A, and the Q&A was with none other than Big Papa Pump himself, Scott Steiner. Wow. And they announced that uh, Scott Steiner basically just hadn't... just he was in Dallas but he was just I don't know whether he was holding them up for money or what it was but they were just like he's in Dallas but he's not coming he's somewhere else basically yeah <laughs> yeah 
and just watching everybody like get really really annoyed and disappointed and having to kind of vacate the space then but yeah that's my my other wcw stories i don't think i have any more to be honest (laughs) but you never know memories might jog um what an eventful weekend that seems to have been yeah oh it it was quite the week my friend it was quite the week um Let's just get into it. Yep. WCW Thunder Episode 2 coming to you from Lakeland, Florida uh, on the 15th of January, 1998. Um, I'm also interested, one of, one of the things, I, I, I'm, I'm keeping track of all the cities they're in on these episodes because I really want to see, and by Episode 3 they definitely get into places that like I can't imagine WWE ever running there now you know like these kind of towns that wcw could do a good house in but those new york yankees couldn't come down here and sell seats in i think where is alabama in episode three it's in huntsville alabama is episode three yeah 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 um anyway so (laughs) start as you mean to go on we start the show with a replay oh yeah um and this is uh, an interview uh, ddp with mean gene uh, and he's basically just doing the weather forecast for Kevin Nash. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I would very much, after this performance, enjoy uh, Diamond Dallas Page as my local weatherman, uh, talking about how the thunder clouds were rolling in. And uh, <laughs> my boy Lex is going to make you feel the crackle. And then, of course, this this builds into him saying that you know you're gonna feel the bang um because that's his catchphrase but uh my favorite part in this is that there was a security guard shouted really loud and was overheard by the 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 house mics uh and i it 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 coincided with page stopping in the middle of his promo so i wonder was it this man who roared hey block 26 sit down <laughs> I did not notice that. Yeah, it like I don't know if it if it was just coincidence or this security guard roared at block twenty six so loud that it just stopped Page dead in his tracks, and I'd like to think that's what that's what had happened. Anyway, so the show kind of starts proper then, and uh, we have a little bit of a change to our commentary team this week. Uh, no Shivani to start the show. It's uh, Tanay, uh, Brain, and Staggerly. Uh, on commentary and I took a note of this and then you text me this and I think we're both in agreement here that I am loving Lee Marshall he has been phenomenal this show especially he was he was the star of the show for me yeah some of the, the quotes that we have I know I have a couple I know you said you have another couple as well yeah I think um, I do somewhere here he he just every match there was something he said that basically just had me on my side laughing you know he he's been a revelation to me i wasn't that familiar like i knew who he was i'd heard his name yeah but i didn't actually realize he was on thunder as much as he seemingly is yeah i couldn't tell you for sure if i if he was still commentating by the time i started watching thunder myself because when i think of thunder commentary i think of stevie ray Mm-hmm. I don't think of Lee Marshall, but yeah, he is a revelation. And as well as like having great lines in here, something I'm a big fan of, such a broadcast voice, you know, like a great buttery smooth sports broadcaster toned what he's saying. Like the, the kind of 
the kind of commentator's tone that I think WWE nowadays tries to like artificially create, but he just had it. He was smooth. Yeah, it wasn't like he was trying to put it on. That's just the way he sounded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I imagine that just talking to him in real life would have been like just he's just got his radio voice all mm. the time. Um, so Tanay teases as we're introducing the show that there is more turmoil within the NWO, but to me it seems to be the the same turmoil coming on from last week. I genuinely thought when he was talking about turmoil in the NWO, I was like, have I just put on episode one again? But anyway, <laughs> um. They explain the the issue between Nash and the Giant has gotten to the point where... So, follow this. Like I said last week, all wrestling fans in the 90s, huge fans of, like, fines and bureaucracy and things like that. So, there's a performance bond of $1.5 million on Kevin Nash uh, to ensure that he shows up at Snickers sold out. Uh, And then... He retorts with his, him and his his NWO buddies retort with getting a one point five million dollar no com, no contact bond put on the giant. Um, so giant can't hit. Should I say he can't strike or, in the words of the NWO, come near uh, Nash, which. Mm over the course of episode 2 and 3 of Thunder was completely violated because he came near him quite a lot oh yeah he very close to him, even on this episode um, um, so but I think yeah I mean Nash is one and a half million dollars richer by my count <laughs> uh, here's the thing it wasn't even Nash that put up the one and a half million it was Hogan his good pal mm. that paid this one and a half million dollars for Nash that he would 100% definitely show up unlike at uh, Starcade where he was in a Starcade that he faked the heart attack yeah yeah so. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's why this has all come up because Starcade yeah. just gone. That this is what, why they're getting out of it. Um, so yeah, and I love the idea that there was definitely a meeting that took place backstage where Hogan and Easy were like, "No, no, it's way cooler if Hogan is like real flippant and has yeah, I'll give you a million and a half dollars." Just couldn't let someone else come off as being rich. Nobody else is a millionaire. It's only Hogan. <laughs> Hogan and the Giant, because Giants seem to have no problem with. <laughs> The one point five million dollar bond, so he's doing pretty well for himself. We should we should say it was Nick Lambros in the ring again. Yeah, Dur- Nick during Lambros. the segment. <laughs> what, a what a man he is. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like becoming a real main character on, on Thunder. I I had not expected I thought this was gonna be one and done, but I guess he's going to be recurring for us. Um we move then into Tony Schiavone interviewing the giant in the ring, and uh, as the giant is on his way to to the ring I very much appreciated Stagger Lee uh, talking about how he is a very virtuous seven foot four man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh, his first good line of the night we'll tell you yeah yeah uh, so Giant starts running down Nash uh, all the stuff you've heard before about him being a coward not showing up and how he's delighted about the bond things like that and he goes you know when he shows up it's sold out I've got a surprise for him and he's like, it's attached to my hand, which is attached to my arm. And I think he was expecting the crowd to start going, oh, he's going to say it, he's going to say it. And then he's like, oh, it's the choke slam." <laughs> two things about this that I want to say, Lee. Uh, two points of uh, order for the house here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love that he thinks that his finishing move is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, okay. Boy, boy, is Kevin Nash going to be surprised when I try to finish him with that move that I finish people with. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing 
I can't remember whether it was Tanay or, or Lee Marshall, but he goes, the choke slam. And one of the commentators goes, oh yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it was Marshall, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody saying that, all right. What I don't understand is he thinks the choke slam is physically attached to the end of his arm. Yeah, yeah. Not that's... that. Not that it's his actual hand that is choking somebody. Yeah, well, like I don't know if you'd, <laughs> if if you uh, studied biology in, in school, Lee, but it definitely goes shoulder, elbow, wrist, choke slam. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's how the anatomy of the the giant uh, operates. So that, that that the science of that checks out to me. It, it definitely seems like an unfair advantage. What with his extra height and weight, that he now has a choke slam attached to the end of his arm. Yeah. Uh, we can't even get through this interview segment without running so Lodi shows up mm-hmm. and he's got a, a sign that uh, in classic 90s banter says Nash rules giant drools <laughs> uh, and this all leads into the giant just killing killing the flock the whole flock basically yeah uh, Kidman gets gorilla pressed into the crowd which I, I this was one of a couple occasions on this show where out of fear for someone's safety I came out of my chair I was just oh <laughs> I would not you could not pay me pay me enough money to take a gorilla press into the fucking crowd but however I'm I'm assuming uh, Kidman was a big fan of Spike Dudley from <laughs> yeah. ECW basically <laughs> yeah LSD yeah um all of a sudden, Nash strolls in with what I uh, have written in my notes here are some sweet Zubas. I, I have the very same thing written. <laughs> <laughs> Not only Zubas, he comes out in a six t-shirt as well. Yeah. Um, what, what a man Kevin Nash is. Yeah, and one thing I really like about this no contact angle. So, you know, we've had a lot of the there's a no con- no contact clause before the pay-per-view thing. That's That's a real hackneyed thing in wrestling. But Nash does it a slightly different way, which I appreciate. So usually the guy who has the uh, who has gotten the the kind of protection order put on him, normally he tries to goad the other guy into hitting him by like getting physical with him, or you know attacking maybe his partner or you know, someone who's a friend of his, or attacking innocent people to try and get them the babyface to intercede. No, uh, Nash is going to make the giant snap because he's an annoying man. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially Kevin Nash's strategy is I'm going to troll this man <laughs> until he fucking bops me one and makes me a million and a half dollars richer basically yeah yeah <laughs> um, so. yeah it's just Kevin Nash being Kevin Nash and it's insanely entertaining yeah Kevin Nash is this guy who he's such a weird figure in the history of wrestling uh, because he's so He's such a funny guy when he's not trying really hard to be funny. But when he's trying to be clever and funny is usually when he's at his least funny. Yeah. So this is just him just being an absolute dope, knowing that, you know, no one's going to say anything to him and entertaining himself. And it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, um, it was at this point then, once he's in uh, the giant's face and he's not getting much of a reaction from him that he throws coffee in his face yeah just just because he's just because he's just a very annoying man which we learned he also done on Nitro so this is the second time he has thrown coffee in uh, the giant's face 
Yeah, and he would then bring it up the following week in a yeah. promo. Uh, we'll talk about that next week on the program. Um, moving on to more NWO drama, another replay from Nitro. Um, so Nash and Scott are the tag champs now. The NWO arrive in separate cars, which they did last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said here, they act like this was a new revelation, but they definitely did this last week. I'm not crazy. I, I swear they just replayed the same shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, out comes JJ, who looked bored as fuck. <laughs> uh, Savage for for striking uh, Easy E got fined five thousand dollars, and I, I find this very funny. Sorry, Giant and Nash can post a one point five million dollar bond just like that, but Randy Savage is fined five thousand dollars, and Mean Gene was outraged. <laughs> I think it was more outraged that he, yeah, that uh, Bischoff was valued at 5k. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it's just the idea that, oh yeah, like the giant who's been wrestling for, what, two years at this point is like, oh, he's got a million and a half, easy. But poor Randy Savage, only one of the three or four most famous professional wrestlers of the last decade. God, that guy is struggling to find money down the back of the couch to pay this five grand fine. (laughs) It it also Uh, makes little sense that Bischoff, who is no longer in charge of WCW, but is still an executive, so Savage gets fined for hitting somebody else within the NWO. Yeah, it's, it's not very logical. Yeah, it's um with a lot of this NWO stuff, it's just the closer you look, you, the the more cracks you start to see. It's probably best not to think about it if you're trying to enjoy things. Uh, Savage interferes uh, in that match anyway from Nitro and helps the Outsiders win. Uh, Savage slaps Nash and then runs away. Yeah, okay. it's and obviously coming into the show, we said we weren't going to look things up and weren't going to uh, kind of see what what was going on with storylines going forward and stuff. But obviously, we're both coming in with a certain knowledge of what happens with the NWO going forward. Yeah, it's hard not to. So seeing the way it's being set up for the split is very unusual because I know what happens and who goes to what side. Mm. And seeing Nash and Savage being at each other's throats makes little sense to me. <laughs> it will be interesting <laughs> to see how they get there on yeah. Thunder and Thunder alone. <laughs> that that That's what has me intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're missing all the stuff that makes sense on Nitro. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so, next segment. The fifth segment of the program, and finally some wrestling. We have a match. <laughs> yeah, an actual, honest-to-God match, uh, where Black Cat, O'Hara, and Gato uh, take on the Steiners and Ray trailer, uh, which is just, uh, I have nicknamed here, Team Beefy Daz. <laughs> yep, that's sticking. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're accompanied by Ted DiBiase, as they were last week. Uh, Tanae is just getting word now, just five segments into the program, that after Nitro, several days ago, DDP was attacked and mugged, injured his right knee and may not wrestle tonight. I love that, so, what, Thunder was broadcast Thursdays? Yep. So, in, in kayfabe anyway, 72 hours plus five segments have passed, and someone just thinks to clue in Tanae. Oh yeah, one of our big stars got jumped in a fucking car park and mugged. I don't get like how he, how was he mugged? I, 
don't, if, no, if they, it's not just... even it's it's not even just how was he mugged like why would you add the mugging part in why not just say the nwo attacked him and injured his knee <laughs> that's true no, enough. he was mugged wait i uh, know i've got it i've put two and two together they mugged him to pay randy savage's fine <laughs> As was DDP, he's he's got those hundos in his wallet, and he's like, that'll pay off a good bit of the fee. That's got to be it. He wasn't raking in that yoga money yet, but he was doing well for himself. He's got to have at least half of it on him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we have the tease two weeks in a row that somebody who's booked for a big match on the show may not be there. Um, JJ Dillon is in a heated discussion with DDP backstage. Um, Starley blames uh, who was it he blamed oh Hennig and Rick Rude because uh, they were seen around the area at the time uh, so back to the actual action because this is the match is happening while they're explaining this they just are not paying attention to what happens but uh, what I'm noticing is at a certain point so they're doing the thing where Scott is being excess- excessively rough with opponents and ignoring Rick and trying to do it all by himself so at a certain point during all this discussion about DDP Scott tags in walks over to Gato and fucking wallops him with a, a what I can only describe as a shoot clothesline he murders him with a Steiner line he fucking <laughs> like he owed him money he he kills Ghetto it's I no, saw Ghetto no leave his body <laughs> um, yeah I mean in this match he just he throws the guys around yeah and he, it, he's it, just he is just yeah, like he said like they owe him money it was just brutal we should say the camera work actually misses a, a tiger bomb because, <laughs> yep. of course, it does. I have that down. <laughs> and uh, Scott wins on his own again with the uh, Steiner screwdriver, which is probably one of the best looking maneuvers in wrestling at the time. And, and something nobody terrifying. wants to take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what I've written down is the editor of this show on crack because they cut off the tiger bomb and as well during the end of this match the thunder logo just randomly flashes on the screen for like half a second in this like weird is this subliminal advertising sort of way you're watching this anyway but thunder (laughs) yeah 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 hey you watch thunder um a brief tease I, I'm starting to take track of these now because on Thunder every week they seem to do a tease for what's on WCW Saturday night this week mm-hmm. and you better tune in because Marty Janetti is on WCW Saturday night this week he's a big star yeah now not, we have not a, 1998 now no, no he's, a, he's a big star he's a name you've heard of him <laughs> and Dusty is on commentary which they always mention <laughs> why though <laughs> <laughs> not not why is he on commentary although also why is he on commentary but why is that a drawing power I, like I said last week his commentary on Starcade was fucking horrendous I was just going to say I think we're going to have to sit through a lot of dusty commentary mm. that could be where it starts to go downhill yeah speaking of downhill interesting <laughs> next segment uh, Tanae just offhandedly mentions like it was a thing that WCW are toying with setting up a martial arts division but this martial arts is contested under pro wrestling rules so so wrestling basically <laughs> yeah I, I didn't understand what he was actually trying to say so it's a martial arts division but it's wrestling yeah 
is martial arts is it just that it's encouraged to do some martial arts because it's still pro wrestling rules is this basically we look backstage went right we've Ernest Miller we've Jerry Flynn we've Nagata fuck we better do something there's just there's just somebody backstage at WCW who's a little bit racist and has seen a couple of Hoist Gracie tapes and has said to themselves I know a million dollar idea so they mentioned this martial arts. Hang on, are uh, his initials EB? Uh, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> um, so they mentioned the martial arts division. And in the back of my head, I'm saying, please, please know that you've said martial arts. Please don't let it just be your whatever Asian men are backstage. <laughs> please, please don't go with something that may be that racist. They went that way and also another way because this match in the martial arts division big air quotes is Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono following the tradition you you pointed out last week where it's just Sonny Ono has to go with the Japanese guy all, all, all the Japanese guys come in Sonny Ono's the manager versus Ernest the Cat Miller and I, I'm thinking to myself is this is this better or worse than if it was just two Japanese guys it's it's a it's a Japanese man and Yuji Nagata taking on Ernest the Cat Miller. The implication of this match being because obviously Ernest the Cat Miller is a karate practitioner and Yuji Nagata is a wrestler. Is the implication that the American is going to come in and show the Japanese man how martial arts is done? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't think that much about it, to be honest. I thought a lot about it, Lee. I paused the show to think about it. <laughs> I kind of... I just watched it and I went, I don't think there's going to be a martial arts division, to be honest. Yeah. Um, this is introducing a, a new segment that I would like to call, Was This Racist? <laughs> the answer will normally be yes, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think the answer is yes here. And I don't know where on the racist barometer it is like it's definitely at least a bit racist and i don't know if the addition of the cat doing karate is Makes more it, or less it's Who kind knows? of it's kind of a wash on that one isn't it yeah yeah it's a racist um, idea and they just kind of they didn't make it any worse anyway yeah at this point i i'm i'm i can see in my notes that i've started to go a little bit crazy so i'm writing what about this was a martial arts ma- match Ah yes, karate, known for its mighty lariats. <laughs> there was a mighty lariat, though. <laughs> yeah, there was. He 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 cracked Yuji Nagata with a lariat in this. Um, uh, that, that was the only pop the match got. Yeah, um, the, the crowd he, could not have cared about this match at all. He, he wins with the feliner. Yeah. Um, and in the aftermath of this match, the cat... This is my favourite part of the whole match and one of my favourite parts of the whole show, I think. Uh, the cat gives Sonny two roundhouse kicks square to the head and Sonny Ono, a manager, no-sells them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he kind of does a brief, oh, and then he's just fine. Just got kicked full force in the head twice. He's grand, don't worry about it. The funny thing is, Sonny Ono is tougher than most of the guys he manages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he Heenan has a great line where he tells Ono he needs to put those feet together and start running <laughs> after after he throws a kick at Miller <laughs> I love Brain he really makes these things more bearable to me um, moving on from that and JJ Dillon is with Tony trying to explain DDP's mugging over 72 hours ago 
And again, amazing to me how little detail is known about what happened and how they have not really made any decisions coming forth from a thing that happened three days ago. Um, But I I did enjoy another editor was on crack moment as in the middle of trying to explain the situation with the mugging, JJ's mic dies. Yeah, he comes out and speaks for about a minute or so and we don't hear a word of it. Yep. Then DDP comes out forgets that he's on thunder calls the show nitro uh when he calls it nitro jj dylan nearly cracks and starts laughing hides his face so you should definitely replay the segment if you didn't notice that yeah um uh, we should say ddp is on a crutch yeah he's he's on a crutch really kind of hamming up the need of the crutch um and he said you know the hell with all this i'm wrestling tonight and in the most kind of boomer conservative da statement of the night possibly jj dylan says hey listen this is the 90s and it's a fact of life that people sue people (laughs) so i guess jj dylan's position is he doesn't want wcw to get sued uh ddp is like i'm wrestling tonight get me a piece of paper that'll clear me to wrestle and i'll sign it um and here comes uh, in the next segment uh, Louis Piccoli versus Scott Hall Scott Hall being the champ champ uh, at the moment because he's got the original tag belt plus and I quote the bogus title they got from a jewellery store yeah I, I I I wrote down initially actually going oh Scott is TV champ and tag champ yeah oh, that's what it, I thought it, it, it's a fake belt mm-hmm this is a wrestling program that has a fake belt. Because, you know, Lee, you know all those times that you've been in a jewellery shop <laughs> and you're looking for a new watch, maybe a bit of jewellery for the missus, get get some brownie points, and there's that section in between the watches and the earrings that is World Championship Wrestling Belts. I um, can't say I do. I mean, I, I've, I, I've been in all the good jewellers in Dublin. I've never seen a wrestling title belt. You clearly need to go to the jewellers me and the bad guy go to. Uh, (laughs) Wrestling bells a go-go, man. I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, He's doing the the survey gimmick with the crowd again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I enjoy a a line that I think Lee Marshall was very proud of saying, this guy thinks he's the Gallup pole. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell he said that one and he sat back and went, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I got him on that one. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, like he's I, definitely he's definitely done the thing, you know, where like like he licks the tip of his finger and chalks one up to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely sat back, throwing the headphones off. I'm done for this segment, guys. I I uh, love that uh, Hall while on the microphone turns to Scully and goes, "You look like an intelligent young man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scott. Uh, another one of my, my moments of noticing something in the crowd so there's a sign in the crowd that I, I, I laughed at a very forward thinking young person using the kind of text speak that we wouldn't see popularised for several years yet where uh, a sign saying survey says we came to see Kimberly <laughs> because this is the 90s my friend <laughs> uh, so Louis Piccoli is out and it was during his entrance that uh, a little detail came out that Louis is 26 years old and boy god did he fit about 43 years worth of living into that 26 years 
Um, I, I know Louis didn't live a long life, but he lived a hell of a life. He, in fact, died about a month and a half after this, I think. He he looked a lot older. Because it was, it was while he was doing the... I'm pretty sure it was while he was doing the, the Scott Hall sidekick gimmick that he died yeah. or, or not long after so yeah it's it's coming up unfortunately but yeah he was just like he did not look good at all and it mm. um but uh then larry zabisco's shirt comes out <laughs> it was extremely loud yeah yeah he was at that store that bret hart bought his cowboy boots in <laughs> browsing the shirt section it was yeah it was an incredibly like you have to readjust the colour settings on your television kind of loud shirt yeah Um, he came out to give Louis a pep talk basically don't go, don't go with that bum like you know you, you, you know fight him uh, Louis jumps Larry joins the NWO <laughs> and then Larry lays out both of them yeah Larry is made to look like such a badass he takes out both of them and just stands tall and the segment ends that's it like genuinely like for all the talk of like they built up Sting for a year a year and a half for that Starcade match on these two weeks of Thunder alone Larry Zabisco is the biggest baby face in WCW he's the the only one that doesn't take any shit yeah and he's the only one who routinely gets the better of the NWO it's amazing it really is like it's, and, it's and absolutely he, wild and he's still a commentator on Nitro I think at this time mm. <laughs> Uh, next segment man with a sign that said NWO girl just just let that one sink in is he the 90s equivalent of a bullet babe I guess so <laughs> uh, replay from Nitro Mongo beats Jericho there's a sentence <clears throat> Jericho apologises for being beaten by Mongo he should uh, Jericho then wishes Rey Mysterio luck uh, later on in his <laughs> Cruiserweight title match with the most smarmy okay <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, then we go into, this is kind of one of those drop the pen, rub the hands moment. Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero for the number one contendership for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, Jericho comes out accusing Ray of making, and I quote, derogatory comments towards him. Un- under his breath, yeah. <laughs> yeah, under his breath. <laughs> saying that as a paragon of virtue, he had to put him in his place. And that was my, before the Ayatollah of rock and roll, all that, paragon of virtue is one of my greatest, my, my favourite Jerichoisms, yeah, I have to say. I, I was delighted to hear that one, because that's one I definitely remember from the time. Yeah, And I, I'm assuming this is the first time he's used it. Uh, if, if not, just one of the first times it it's, it's God, I love that man. Yeah. Um, Jericho wins this. It's a fun little sprint, uh, I think, and uh, wins with the Lion Tamer. Yeah, I mean, I just have. It was kind of weird to see a heel versus heel match. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie looked very wet on his entrance. <laughs> yeah, like, he really did, and he does the. I tell you what, Eddie Guerrero. One thing about him, ha, apart from all the other great things about him had a great mean look yeah oh god yeah especially around this time yeah the, yeah. the, the expressions he would pull even mm. just looking at the fans walking down the aisle just yeah absolute hatred for everyone and everything yeah. and we rarely saw that mean mugging Guerrero in WWE when he came over I think the only time I genuinely recall it is that one night stand match with Benoit where apparently the two of them really were annoyed at each other yeah um, um there was one kind of bad botch in the match with uh, Eddie went for the gory bomb or the gory stretch. 
mm. and he just dropped Jericho on his head. Yeah, a little bit rough. It's probably just because he was so wet coming in. Then Jericho just slid <laughs> off him. That could be the explanation, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you said, Jericho wins um, with the line timer, and yeah, he's going on to get a cruiserweight title shot. And no, no burial of lion tamers this week. Jericho puts on the, the correct way. Oh yeah, he definitely put on a proper one. All right. Mm. Uh, next segment is a, a much anticipated debut that I didn't even know I was anticipating. <laughs> but man, was I not impressed to see this guy? <laughs> I was, but in the kind of way where you're impressed to see like a real bad movie at the bottom of a bargain bin. It's the anvil. <laughs> It's only Jim Neuhart. And I'll tell you what, shoot your shot, son. Debuts on Nitro immediately calls out Ric Flair. <laughs> Why not? Like, I mean, yeah. he shows up in his leather jacket and jeans and he says he's ready to go. He doesn't just say he's ready to go, Lee. This another one of my favourite moments of the whole show. He says, I was born with my gear on. And as soon as he says that, takes his clothes off. <laughs> So he either he was lying or he prefers to wrestle in the nip. And I don't want to know which one of those things is true. Well, all you can say is he's a heart. Yeah, he sure is. Don't, don't call me Anvil for nothing. Oh, God. Uh, Nate comes out to confront Jim uh, and uses the power of the punch as the brass knocks and fucking floors him. Uh, Brett comes out now did you notice this so Brett comes out to chase off Flair Flair runs around the ring and appears to try to jump over something and completely falls over no I missed this so this is (laughs) so the the camera is following Brett and he's like say running away from the camera down the side of the ring around the back of the ring you can see Flair running away and he looks ahead of him and I don't know whether there's like a cable or there's like one of the guys running cable is down on the floor but he clearly tries to jump over something and just disappears <laughs> okay I'm gonna have to go back and watch that <laughs> it's one of those moments where I really wish I could do gifs as I do this show but I am not I, I do not have that skill so yeah flare falling over is worth looking back on and yeah just Jim's weird promo about wrestling in the nip <laughs> which I hope we don't see because I remembered Naked Midian and that's yeah, enough I was, I was going to say this is probably the inspiration for Naked Midian um, how so about brain, go on, so, yeah, sorry. I was going to say how about we uh, get on to a, a proper match next yeah indeed that segment kind of ended with just Brain putting over uh, Brett versus Flair better than Brett or Flair did <laughs> in that which, segment which shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> so Here's a match. Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Goldberg. <laughs> to which I wrote, oh boy. <laughs> Except it's not quite Chavo versus Goldberg. It's not quite. Now, as Chavo is coming out, they point out that this man is wrestling Goldberg. And Bobby says, where do they want the body sent? <laughs> oh, what a line. That, that's... It's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, but then we get probably the greatest WCW entrance team inter- yeah. interrupts. We don't get Goldberg. Oh no, <laughs> we we get Disco, baby. Yeah, Disco. Uh, I wrote all caps, why is Disco here? <laughs> uh, crowd, uh, people in the crowd, embarrassing human beings trying to Disco dance. 
uh, at which point I'm, I just got really mad because I wanted to see this was reminding me of when Kane squashed Chavo at WrestleMania and that's what I wanted to see um, so I was getting real mad at Disco and I wrote how did Disco Inferno steal a living for this long I see I'm the opposite I was delighted to see Disco <laughs> I love me some Disco Inferno different strokes my friend I I don't like him as a wrestler. I just love the character when he's doing stuff like this, just it's, randomly it's, coming you don't out to love dance. The wrestling, you can't. You definitely can't love the human being because Glengarry is a piece of shit. <laughs> he probably is, but the Disco Inferno. That's like it's the whole Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea thing. They're separate people. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I, I can separate the man from the art. <laughs> Glengarry <laughs> can't dance at all. <laughs> um, Disco hits a chart buster, which is a really awful looking stunner. On yeah. Chavo. Oh god, it's horrendous. So, <laughs> Disco Disco says in his promo that he wants to be seen on the same plane as Arn Fucking Anderson, one of the greatest TV champs of all time. Disco Inferno. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Just comparing himself to Arn Anderson, as one does. He's. Yeah, you know he's very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Chavo retorts by saying, first of all, you can't dance. And the crowd boos. Why do they do that? He can't dance. He very clearly can't dance. <laughs> Chavo's the heel here, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, Disco, as you said, Disco sneak attacks Chavo and lays him out with a stunner that would make Vince blush. <laughs> calling it the chart buster do you, do you ever see in the Smackdown games where Vince has a stunner as a finisher and it's like a slow motion stunner that's yeah. what this was yeah pretty much uh, so Goldberg's out and he's standing waiting behind Disco uh, I'm pleased to report in our ranking of spears that Disco takes a better spear than Mongo uh, but his head really whiplashed badly on the pump yeah um, so that, uh, that was no good Marshall had a hell of a line though calling it what did he say you can call that the two step because that's as far as Disco got (laughs) (laughs) I missed that (laughs) and I thought that was magnificent oh that's great stuff Um, but yeah Goldberg basically just kills him with a spear and that's another win for Goldberg I think yeah (laughs) (laughs) I guess (laughs) was it a match it it could be two wins we don't know like yeah, Lord knows the counting system in that streak was, was not up to scratch. Um, then we go back to a replay from Thunder last week, the the main event, the sort of main event segment uh, with uh, JJ Dillon, Sting and Hogan. This leads Hogan and Easy e coming out. Now, Lee, you may have to, uh, you may have to carry the load on this because I watched this promo maybe three times over and I have no fucking idea what Hogan was trying to say. Oh, you haven't got a clue. Um, he spoke, I, I ju- and I he spoke notes. at length. And I have no, I could not decipher. Like, he was speaking clearly, but it was fucking nonsense. I just noticed the fan sign that said, can I soul out? And I, I was totally confused by this sign for the whole promo. <laughs> and here's my uh, Stagger Lee line of the night. End of the promo, music hits. And... <laughs> <laughs> Lee Marshall's reaction is to say, huh, well, he said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly true. Yeah. I don't think anyone knows what it was about, but he said a lot. Yeah, he certainly said a lot. 
that was they clearly tried their best to pay attention and just zoned out completely. I I imagine if they had smartphones back then, they all would have been like scrolling through Twitter and whatever yeah. the whatever the nineteen ninety eight equivalent of that was. That's what they were doing. <laughs> um, next match we have Ray versus Hoovy, and I'm delighted because I look at the. Uh, I look at the remaining time on my little bar at the bottom, the progress bar, just 20 minutes left. I was like, oh, this must be the main event. Oh, no, no. <laughs> they still manage in 20 minutes to get this match and two more segments in. <laughs> but enough about that. Uh, we have a couple of moments that made me shriek in this match. Hoovitude, mm-hmm. uh, never one to care about his or other people's safety, tries to hit the Undertaker dive and nearly kills fucking both of them. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> nearly nearly lands on the top of his own head and nearly impales Ray with his body. I just have it written down as a kamikaze flying headbutt. And I don't think that does any justice. He fucking flings himself. Yeah. It's terif- terrifying. Um, <laughs> This is... There's another spot where, like, this is... You know, I've seen good Hoovy matches, and when Hoovy is not at the races, he's really not at the races. So he takes Ray's head and goes to bash it into the the side of the ring, but he bashes it just into the material part of the apron. So just essentially thin air. <laughs> and then Ray takes a bump, and then he does a really, like stomp leg drop thing that looked really like he got caught between two decisions in his head and didn't know what to do and just kind of landed on him uh, to the outside that was that was bad mm. um, at one point I'm almost certain uh, little Nate Charles Robinson just tells him to go home and it goes on <laughs> for like three or four more minutes after that nearly yeah um, I should say Marshall says Mysterio is the most popular mass Mexican since Zorro. <clears throat> and not to pull it out of the bag again, but is that racist? I'm not sure. <laughs> like I think it's that kind of like old people racist where it's like ignorant <laughs> rather than actively racist. But we'll let you uh, the listeners at home be the judge on that one. Uh, Ray wins via Hurricane Rana, and it's kind of like refreshing to me that you know with how ridiculous high flying wrestling has gone now in, mm. in 2019 that you can just this is a relatively simple end to a match, and I loved it. Yeah, it was. It's Ray avoids the 450 with Shuvi had won the title with the previous week, yeah. and then just a snap Rana. That's it. Done. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, back to Nitro and our favourite man, Lex Luger. Uh, Liz distracts Lex, Savage jumps him, <clears throat> and then that leads to the final segment of the show. Uh, Randy Savage versus uh, Nash with Hogan. Uh, sorry, Randy Savage. <laughs> sorry, Randy Savage. Uh, this is all over the place. <laughs> you are almost as confused as the bookers on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like, there's so many, there's so many notes here. Randy Savage accompanied by Liz with Nash versus Lex and DDP and Hogan is with Nash Whew, got through that eventually uh, I must notice as well uh, after a show of this pyro here and there during the show Randy Savage came out with 98% of the pyro budget for Thunder I have the same entrance. thing written <laughs> the amount of pyro for the NWO entrance like it puts 
you know, a New Year's Eve show to shame. <laughs> yeah. If I was out on the street and heard the fucking noise of Savage's pyro coming out of someone's TV, I would think the British were coming again. <laughs> That's how, like, it was like fucking gunfire. It but was... you, do you know what? I love the WCW pyro because it sounds like fireworks. Yeah. It, ha- it has that shriek and the shrill sounds. Yeah. <laughs> of poor sound engineering. <laughs> <laughs> they don't dampen the mics around where the pyro goes off. Um, so Lex tells DDP to go to the back so it's two on one uh, more NWO family drama in this match Savage refuses to tag in Nash uh, Hogan tries to talk sense into Savage, Nash decks Savage uh, Lex puts Hogan and then Nash in the rack here's the thing right so this match is kind of just nothing but um, I am so terribly impressed with how easily Lex gets very large human beings up into the torture rack I um, I, I have something written down it's like I think we could do like a top five Lex Luger racks torture I'd be willing to do that I'd throughout the whole that. show I mean um, the, like you said the ease with which he picks up these humans and just puts them on his shoulders is it's damn impressive like yeah let, let let's start a ranking of racks um, I'm saying that we've got two contenders here. Uh, and I think number two is the one he gets Nash in yeah. on this show. And I think number one was last week. Was it Buff he got in and then threw Buff at someone's head? <laughs> he threw him at, uh, I think it was Norton. No, uh, Conan's head, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's definitely number one for me. So, so we're ranking them so far. So I'm going to write this down. Yeah. Number one yeah. is... I'll do ranking of Spears. You keep track of the ranking of racks. <laughs> number one is Bagwell. <laughs> yeah. From Number one is when he racked and then threw a human being like a lawn dart. From episode one. And number two is Nash from episode two. <laughs> we will keep this going because apart from the Lex Luger story, obviously from last week, he I think he's going to be a, a real feature of the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited every time I see him because it's like, what sort of mad shite is he going to do this time? Or... <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, the, I mean, this the, the main event. It was just basically more kind of NWO drama, not much of a match. Um, yeah, a, uh, a, a ton of miscommunication, basically. Uh, Giant comes out at a certain point, and if you didn't already know that Giant and Hogan were buddies, Giant hits the softest, gentlest. I'm laying you down for a lovely nap. <laughs> Choke slam I've ever seen on Hogan. Just lifts them up. There you go. There you are, Terry. Now you just took yourself in there, buddy. I should. Uh, when Hogan backs into him and turns around, he does like the most over the top cartoon sell of "Oh shit, yeah. it's the giant." Yeah, and it it's just like it's almost overkill. It's like. It's not quite Shawn Michaels levels from 05, but it's not far off. Yeah. Uh, the whole NWO hits the ring. <laughs> they all try to run at Giant. <laughs> and another man who I'm thinking is going to be box office in terms of value for money. Buff Bagwell. Did you see what Buff Bagwell did here? No. Buff Bagwell runs at the Giant. And Giant like gets his hand up to like punch him or something. Buff just takes a bump like he just falls over to the side and like as he's on his way down Giant kind of does this like half-assed make it look like I pushed him 
I don't know whether he tripped or whether he just like, oh, I ain't taking no punch from this hammock. Either either possibility, either thing is possible with Bagwell. I mean, truly is. I just I have no words for that. Even listen to the description, like yeah. Bagwell, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sting comes out and the WCW guys clear house uh, in spite of the fact that he's been out there at this point nearly five minutes Heenan all of a sudden roars there's the giant and the show just ends <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean it was weird like you see Sting and then it's like right show's over <laughs> yeah that's it like. that's it we just can't show Sting for too long <laughs> god forbid um yeah, so that's episode two of uh, WCW Thunder in the books. Uh, what did you think of the show overall, and who was your winner of of Thunder this week? Uh, I thought the show it was fairly good. Like it, it breezed by. I think good is probably being generous to it, but yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, the main event obviously was pretty bad, pretty poor. Like, but I mean, you had Ray Hoovy was a pretty good match. Um, Scott Steiner killing the three lads in the opener was fairly entertaining mm. um, Goldberg obviously gets another murder to his name yeah uh, but yeah like I mean it kind of it just kind of flowed okay like a breezed boy watching it I watched it all in one go and had no problem with it um, winner I, I think the giant again I think he looks like an absolute mm. killer I mean he, he took out most of the NWO on his own again yeah um, I, I think this was an easier watch, not just because it was an hour shorter, but yeah. Um, I, I think the fact that we, we kind of know what we're letting ourselves in for with WCW and know the matches are going to be short uh, kind of steadies our expectations uh, enough that we're not annoyed when some of these matches run short. Um, and I think even though they do a bunch of shit at the beginning of the show, like again, it was the guts of 10 minutes before we saw any wrestling. Um, I think even though they do that, it's still refreshing because now current day practice on on TV wrestling is twenty minutes of a, of a segment at the start before you mm-hmm. see any wrestling. Um, so in the nineties, I might have been a lot more annoyed about going straight to the replays at the start of the show, but it hasn't bothered me so far anyway. Well, uh, like like you said last week, I think that's something that we're going to appreciate going forward. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, it, in terms of winners of the show, I think maybe the director for not managing to get fired after his performance tonight. <laughs> uh, possibly world martial arts champion Ernest the Cat Miller. Uh, or my actual winner of the show, uh, Chris Jericho, for his Paragon of Virtue promo. <laughs> uh, and hitting a sweet-ass lion tamer. Locking in a sweet-ass lion tamer on this mm. show. Um, but I can't disagree with your assessment of the giant as a winner as well. Would would you have a, a loser of the show? Loser of the show. Um hmm. Well, the fact that you know, the the only real segment with thirteen time world champion Ric Flair had him running away and falling over. Um apart from that, maybe my loser is Actually, my loser is Jim Neidhart because Jim they made a big to do of Jim Neidhart debuting a Nitro and then he didn't show up on Thunder. <laughs> That's a fair one. Um, I have Hoovy. I think, you know, after the title win last week was made seem like such a big deal. And then a week later, he's just loses clean. Just, what a chump. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was weird. Like, there was no Bret Hart on the show. No flair. Sting was only in the ring for 30 seconds, like, at the end of the show. It's just, it was a little bit weird in mm. that sense. A lot of NWO. 
we got Goldberg, we got DDP, but it was missing a couple of stars as well. So I'm sure that's, that's sure. going to be a common team going forward. Yeah, again, I keep thinking about that 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 story about the Turner executives saying that Bischoff didn't have enough talent to, to run two shows. And here we are two weeks into Thunder and we still haven't seen the full roster show up. And there's people who are, just aren't getting time on the show. Like. Not even close. Like when you see some of the names that show up on episode three. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, they were employed at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I enjoyed the show. It's, it was fairly okay. Yeah, an improvement on episode one, which is all you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. So that's going to do it for uh, episode two, Days of Thunder. Uh, follow us as I said at the top of the show on WCW Thunder Pod uh, we're available on all sorts of podcasting platforms at the moment uh, iTunes, Spotify, all those nine yards hopefully by the time episode 3 comes out we'll be on Stitcher um, subscribe to us, rate, review tell a friend, retweet, engage with us on Twitter, uh, all of it helps uh, we're really happy with the response to episode 1, thanks to everybody for listening and uh, hopefully you keep it up and enjoy the show going forward um so yeah, for myself and Lee, we shall see you in two weeks talking Thunder episode three. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you.